Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Dream 10X, it's your boy JC and Dr. Capel, and welcome to episode 53 of the Dream 10X podcast. I'm your host, James Capel, and I'm still Dr. Capel. <laughs> 53 episodes, and we still have the same name. All right, <laughs> progress. <laughs> so, this episode is titled The Cauldron of Competition, and we decided we wanted to talk a little bit about. The reca- we wanted to give a little bit of a recap on our rowing season. We just completed our, our rowing season. It starts in April. Yes. And it ends in November. And we are master's rowers. We're, that means kind of old. You're advanced in age a little bit. And you participate in a rowing team. And our rowing team has various types of boats that they compete in. <clears throat> I compete in a single skull, so it's uh, just me in a boat, and I got two oars, and so I, I row like this, facing backwards, and I also, at times, will row in a double, which is two people doing like this, or a quad, which is four people, and Cindy is on the other side of the boathouse at the D. Campbell Boating Center, uh, is it Boating Center? D. Campbell Rowing Center, I guess, <coughs> boathouse in Ale- Old Town, Alexandria, and um, she rose on the sweep program. And sweep is one oar, and anywhere from two, because they do have the pair, to four to eight people in a boat. So you only have one oar per side. I like that better. And they have a coxswain, a person called a coxswain, which is mm-hmm. generally a smaller, light, lightweight person who sits in the stern of the boat. Well, some are bow loaders, like the fours. Or the bow sits of the boat. Sits in the boat the at front some position. Or the back <laughs> of the boat. And they generally have these lines that they can steer a rudder with. Mm-hmm. And so they can see where the team is going, the boat is going, and, and they help steer and help whip the, the rowers and tell them to row harder and faster. And that's the job of a coxswain. And so, okay, so she's on the sweep team, I'm on the sculling team. And she rowed last year, yes. right? <clears throat> Did you row the year before that? Uh, no, because that was COVID. Nobody rode. Yeah, so I, I, I've been rowing for a number of years out of Alexander, with Alexander Community Rowing out of the D. Campbell uh, Boathouse. But since COVID hit, um, in, or I guess it was 2019, I, I haven't uh, participated in rowing at all. She just started rowing last year. And I, I just, well, just started like, back. Started back. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, just started back rowing. And I, she talked me into rowing this year. So it's been, I've been on the bench for a long time and I've just been like lifting weights and just kind of doing as as minimal amount of of exercise as possible. However, we did uh, participate in the virtual Marine Corps marathon stuff. We did, uh, we did the 10K, we did the the marathon and we did the 50k one year that was our first anniversary we did all that it was no, like no. Within a month well, oh yeah yeah, yeah, first yeah. Time, sorry first anniversary and before the 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 week 
before we got married, yeah, we did, we did the Marine Corps marathon. Yep. And then the following, and we got married right before COVID. So COVID hit. We were supposed to do the marathon again. They canceled it. But they had all these virtual events back to back you could do. So we did all of those, and that was that was lovely. Yeah. But other than that, uh, have not done much physical exercise mm-hmm. other than than li- lifting in our our weight room in our basement, uh, maybe three times a week. That that was it. So she talked me into rowing this year. I begrudgingly agreed because I, I didn't really, I, I sit a lot, right? So I sit, I pro, I, I pro, I'm a programmer, so I sit in front of a computer all day long. I don't move much, which is not at all good for you. And I realized that, but when you're in the zone, you're in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you you want to maximize that flow and, and you just forget about getting up and moving your body, which is horrible. So that's one of the reasons I, what I agreed to, to row this year with Cindy is because I wanted, I was concerned about my health for one because this past year and the previous couple of years, I've, I've been struggling with AFib. Mm-hmm. AFib is when uh, atrial fibrillation mm-hmm. or something like that. It's when your heart goes into an irregular rhythm. I don't know why I was doing that. I think I, I, think I was experiencing high blood pressure, uh, probably related to work and sitting too long. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I went to the doctor and they gave me high blood, you know, put me on high blood pressure medicine and and all that. But I reasoned that I really needed to get some more serious, some more serious cardiovascular exercise uh, and, and, and supplement that with weight training. And so this was, this year was my attempt to kind of deal with that because I don't, Last year, I had an AFib episode. I thought I was having a heart attack, and it was—it felt like a fish was in my in my chest, just flopping around. And I'm like, "This is not normal. I, I need to do something to to kind of get over that." Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I started rowing. So, but in addition to that, I've had like really bad back problems, really bad back pain, also associated with sitting too long. I think. And but I've had back pain for a long time. Doctor said it was stenosis or whatever. So, but. Anyways, these two things, uh, one was driving me to, to get more exercise and one was kind of holding me back. And ever since we uh, moved in this house like two years ago, I've had this really weird back pain. Like I just sometimes I, I can't even, it, it's painful to walk. Mm-hmm. But I keep reading online that uh, it's okay to keep moving and like moving is a good lubrication for your joints and... And, and don't just like rest all the time to combat it and definitely don't take uh, Advil mm. to combat it either. You just need to, to work through it. So one of the ways I've been working through it is stretching. Mm-hmm. I stretch every morning, uh, stretch out my back and stuff. And uh, I, I'm trying more not, not to sit as long. And then I also decided to rope. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to set the stage. I'm doing a terrible job telling the story. But so for the first day of rowing in, in early April, <laughs> I can, I literally can barely walk out yeah. the door. Now, I signed up for club sculling, which, and the only reason I signed up for club sculling is because they only go like three, three two, days a week. Three yeah. days a week. And I, I figured, all right, I can spare three days a week to go row if I can get my back to cooperate. Because I'm like, I could barely walk, yeah. man. I, I was I literally was uh, thinking to myself, all right, one day at a time. Let's just take this mm-hmm. one day at a time and see how it goes. I'm just going to do club sculling. <laughs> So I got there I, uh, on the first day, and then I, I talked to one of my coaches, Alan, and then um, 
I, my juices started flowing being in the boathouse and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and sign up for competitive sculling and see how it goes. And I haven't, I haven't sculled, I, single, single skull with the two oars uh, since probably uh, for, for over a 20, 30 years maybe. <laughs> it's been yeah. that long. I, I have rode with Cindy on the sweep team. But I have not sculled in probably 30 years. So this was a, this was a huge, in, in retrospect, this was a huge step for me. Because yeah. I, ha, I have not sculled in probably 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he always talked about how much he loved it. 25 years, so. something like that. 25, 30 years. Yeah. I haven't done the math, but yeah. a long time. Since the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and I do love it. I absolutely love sculling. It, it's awesome. But um, so that first day, my back is killing me. Mm-hmm. I am like throwing caution to the wind. All right, I I'm giving up my mornings. I'm gonna go ahead and go for it. And so competitive I went, sculling is five days a week. Competitive sculling yeah. is five plus days a week. Yeah, because they want to be really competitive. That's why they call so it. So you sculling. race. You practice each every morning, and then you race on the weekend. So it's a it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment, and they expect you to commit to yeah. a lot of the big big races on the East Coast. And so that's one of the reasons I was like, ah, I don't know if I, I don't want to do that. But that first day, I just jumped in the fire. And so I went and talked to Mike Chen, the competitive sculling coach, introduced myself, said, hey, I want to be a competitive sculler, yada, yada. And the first thing he says to me, oh, I don't think we have a boat for you. And he said, uh, one, of the, one of our other guys is going to take the, the only heavyweight single that we have. So uh, we're not going to, we'll probably ruin double, you know, double skulls today and maybe some of the week and the early week. But the rest of the season, you're going to need to have your own boat. So I was like, oh my, so here, here I am jumping into the fire. Now I got to get, now I have to put out a big outlay of money mm-hmm. to find my own single boat. So... I had to make the commitment. I made the commitment. Do it. 100%. So I had to immediately come home and start looking for my own boat. (laughs) (laughs) So from going to club sculling, you know, the the mental desire to do club sculling three days a week went to, I'm in this 100% full time. I'm committing to the biggest races that we go to. Mm -hmm. And now I got to get my own boat. So I'm searching for my own boat. And for my birthday... I found a boat in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. a fluid design single. It's pretty. I uh, went and tried it out, and within a week, I had I had my own single, I had my own rack space, and, and it all worked out. And I'm so glad I did. So I'm just telling you that story because uh, now I'm looking, reflecting back mm-hmm. on all of that, and realizing how valuable the the uh, competitive sports experience has been. Um, you know, I, like I said before that, I was just in maintenance, maybe maintenance mode, just working out, lifting weights a couple, you know, a couple, three times a week, whatever, not doing much, uh, mo- mostly focused on, you know, just sitting and doing my, my career work, professional work. And, um, I, so this time I, you know, I'm not neglecting that. However, I am committing to getting up at four thirty in the morning, every morning, get down to the boathouse by Five, five o'clock, five yeah. o'clock, five o'clock, get on the water by five thirty, get off the water by six forty five or seven o'clock, and then <laughs> come home, take a shower and, and and still do the same, you know, work and, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. The re- the rest of your life takes place then and then and then all, a lot of the big races occur on the on the weekends in the in the uh, summer and in the fall. Mm-hmm. So um 
what I fa- what I knew already, but what I what we want to talk about here is the value of sports competition and why most is it uh, is this a fair thing to say most adults should participate in in competitive sport or all adults should participate in competitive sport because there's so much benefit to be derived from that and and we as humans improve we derive so many great benefits from that and we and we've put together the top five reasons why we think everybody should compete in competitive sports as an adult i read an article recently that it's in our blog post check it out uh dream2x.com it'll be the latest uh episode 53 you won't see that but uh it's called the cauldron of competition there's a link to an article in there financial samurai where he asked the question where are all the adult athletes and invariably you know we uh, as parents we put our kids through you know soccer and swimming and wrestling and baseball and, and all these things so we we want to expose them to all these different sports and and I think some of us hope that maybe they get scholarships or whatever you know uh, to college and, and and it helps offset that cost or whatever I don't know but uh, we really push our kids to compete in sports for whatever reason but as adults, uh, we're so busy focused on being a parent and dealing with the household and professional and, and all that, we don't have time to compete or, or, or even participate in sports. So um, I think that that's one reason that explains why there aren't many people in, in uh, while there aren't many adults in competitive sports programs, whatever they are, whether it's rowing, wrestling, tennis, kickball, soccer, kickball you know whatever it is uh another reason uh, however is because it just sucks you know so we're getting into the top five Mm -hmm. reasons and and one of the the first thing that i I came up with is that you need to embrace the sweet pain of of competitive sports and it is painful but getting up at 4.30 in the morning is really painful. Or training for a 5K. Like, you have to get out there, put your shoes on, and do it. Like yeah, it's, yeah, you have to. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's so hard. My kids are training for a marathon right now. Yeah. And they're, they're always complaining about how hard it is for them just to, just to get out and do something. Yep. For whatever reason. Work or, you know, TV or <laughs> who knows what it is. It, it, the discipline required to put in the reps that you need to do mm-hmm. to participate in a competitive uh sport uh a, comp- a competition mm-hmm. it, it's it's not insignificant uh, and it doesn't really matter what it is it, you just have to uh, almost commit to some daily training mm-hmm. in order to participate in a competitive uh event and so it stinks and um not not only does getting up in the morning really I was a night owl going to bed at two and three in the morning before, and then all of a sudden the punctuated equilibrium, I have to get up at four 30 in the morning. So I have to change my schedule. I have to go to bed at like 10 mm-hmm. or before 10, if possible to get, to be able to get enough sleep in order to get up at four 30 in the morning. So that stinks. And then being committing, <clears throat> being consistent, mm-hmm. consistent. You have to be consistent. You have to show up every morning. And then you're sore, and you still got to show up the next day. <laughs> you get and, sore. And oh you're my tired gosh. And <laughs> yeah, and your kids are wanting dinner. I don't have kids, so we're good. <laughs> your but, dog yeah, and your, your dog wants dinner. Your husband. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> but it's 
it's definitely like in your body sore and, and embracing. I love that, that, that phrase embracing the sweet pain because your body sore, everything sucks. And yet you still commit to taking that next step each morning and knowing that you're doing so much good for yourself, your brain, your family, because you're yeah. treating your body the way it needs to. Yeah. And like I said, my back was killing me. And, yeah. and my mental mantra every morning was take it one day at a time. Yeah. Stretch. Let's stretch. Let's get the coffee. Let me shuffle out the door and let's see where this goes. Every morning, every morning, one day at a time. And, uh, I have a great fondness looking back on that like for this year. Like just take it one day at a time. Let's let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and going to competition sucks. Do you find that? What do you mean? Going to races. Like for, well, explain for, for, what from you a rowing that. perspective. Yeah. You drive for six hours to row for 20 minutes. Yeah, if that, I mean, yeah. if, if it's a short, you can do a shorter race too. If it's yeah. sprint season, it's like over in three or four minutes. Yeah. Um, but when you're doing the, the longer races in the fall, yeah, around 20, 25 minutes or whatever. And then if you're only doing one race, that's it. And sometimes you got to drive to like Philadelphia, you got to mm-hmm. drive to Boston. So like three, <laughs> three hour drives for one 20 minute race. Yeah. Each and way so, three hours. And that sucks because you got to pay for transportation, you got to pay for trailer fees, you got to pay for lodging and food and all that, and that, you know, price adds up. So that kind of sucks. But also the mental aspects of it. Hmm. I I always get nervous before race. Always. It It doesn't matter who I'm racing or what I'm racing, where I'm racing, I always get nervous. I have a hard time sleeping, I go to the bathroom a lot. And I'm, every time I'm like, why, the, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> and I have a very different reaction. Like, I don't get nervous before a race unless it's something completely different. Like, I was uh, stroking, which means you set the whole pace for the entire boat. Um, and I did that for the very first time ever in a sprint race at Masters Nationals, which is a national event with all, like, the best rowers in the nation. And my coach is like, yeah, you're going to stroke this. I'm like, no, I did me. So I had a, pretty much a panic attack, which I don't have. And uh, so that's it's when I'm put in situations where uh, I have to be on. Otherwise, like for me, if I go to competition and I'm just following, I can pull all day long and push all day long. And there's no, I don't I get nervous. Yeah, but I think you just hit on, on why going, embracing the sweet pain, embracing the suck, going through that crap mm-hmm. uh, day to day and, and weekend to weekend for the races is important and it's because you grow you yeah, grow through that you pain you, you've never struck before mm-hmm. and you were you were really nervous about it. you cried right i did the first time and i don't you cry yeah. you had people behind you depending on yeah. you doing it right in a big race don't really, fuck nationals, it up. Yeah. nationals yeah. And you've never done it before yeah but now you can do it yeah and then i struggled for head of the charles which is like the biggest um longer race it's a 5k versus a 1k meters thousand meters uh, and uh, it's the biggest race of the season for and i got to stroke that boat and so that was like just a huge honor and i i was nervous but nothing like before because i'd grown into the role so yeah yeah and and so i found that as well uh so dealing with those nerves uh, learning to control my amygdala being mindful of how i'm feeling (laughs) trying to take breaths uh, being confident in who I am and yeah. where I'm at at the given point in time because invariably I'll show up at the starting line and I'll see these people who are just they just look so much bigger and stronger and better and whatever 
And uh, you need to like put that aside and be confident in yourself. And, and it takes training. It, it, it takes practice. It's really hard because it's easy to let that go and, and get psyched out and, and get defeated or, or whatever. But, but it doesn't matter if you get defeated or not. None of that stuff matters. What matters is that you push through all that and you try to control all those emotions and all that fear and you do it anyway. Yeah, and part of it is like practicing that every day on and off. The, for us, it's on and off the water. So for you at work, when you're having that amygdala reaction, for whatever reason, say it's an email you got, they pissed you off. Um, being able to control that just makes you a better athlete and a better human. And so it's like a really, when you can start building those neural pathways and then using it in all aspects of your life. And in competition, that's just the extreme. So we are extreme humans. I mean, we're made for fight, flight, or freeze. And yeah. uh, when we're put in that situation in competitive sports and we're at the starting line and you have to like get control of yourself, yeah. I mean, it just is going to help you in your work day too. Yeah. So. It has to. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is much more, more intense than most professional situations, even yeah, in, yeah. in a boardroom or, or whatever. Com participating in competitive sports is, is much more intense. Absolutely. So if well, you can handle that. Well, crazy boardrooms, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't, I've never been in a boardroom, but i got to think. Come on, it, it, it pales in comparison. Because competitive sports feels like you're going to die. If, if you get beat, it feels... When I was wrestling in high school yeah. and somebody penned me, I reasoned that if that was a real fight, I'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's death. Yeah, it's life or death. To, I, to some extent, your your mind is rationalizing this could be life or death if I don't win. Totally. Survival like, of the fittest. I was in martial arts most of my life growing up, and so I would walk into a ring, and it was the same thing. Like, okay, I am walking to this ring to get punched. So how do you deal with that? So same thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What? What martial arts was it? Um, I studied Shotokan, Shonru, and Taekwondo. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. She's a badass. I used I, to be. Now I'm a big dork. We, we played fight at one time, and I thought she was going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and now you know. <laughs> yes, don't play fight. Don't fight her. Ground game. <laughs> Got no ground game. <laughs> so that's number one, uh, and, and that, that's probably the strongest strongest reason to compete in sports is because it just it's it's hard it's really hard and as you take each day as it comes mm -hmm. and you you gradually overcome your fears and the pain associated pain and the associated agony and drudgery of all that you grow you get better and that's why i just i loved what happened to me this past year mm -hmm. the, after after committing to do competitive sculling 100 percent mm -hmm. so number two social connections when Friends. you compete, <laughs> when you compete in competitive sports, uh, especially if you're part of a team, and you're going every day and you're practicing, invariably you're going to build bonds with the people that you practice mm -hmm. with, and you compete with, and you compete against. You see the, the people that you're competing against at, at the races and stuff, and you, you tend it's to. It's like a homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can just honestly say that in the sport of rowing, I have made uh, so many wonderful connections and friends. Mm -hmm. um, I even, you know, even Alan Weatherly. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean truth be told, I mean, <laughs> he won't watch us anyway. <laughs> He's our BFF. Just so you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the characters that you run into. Uh, 
I would never have met Cindy had I not rowed. And it's true. So we met, Cindy and I met rowing mm-hmm. and we we ended up dating and we ended up married, getting married. Mm-hmm. So it just, it's incredible. You find people like, with, I guess, similar mindsets and similar values in your sports. And so that really, I think, helps create those connections that we need. Uh, I mean, you know, my, it's just a bunch of weirdos, you know. <laughs> Have you met us? <laughs> We're a bunch of weirdos, right? you know. Our people. It's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So just really valuable connections. So maybe this is number one, you know, the number one benefit to get out of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to... To juggle the benefits of the, or the uh, cut. It, these back. are the five top five in no particular order. Right. <laughs> Good way of putting it. Yes. All right. Um, so number three, bigger organs. <laughs> you get bigger <laughs> organs as you as you work out harder and harder. Do you want to talk more about that? <laughs> Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Including your heart, and so this is one of the key reasons that I got back in, in into rowing competitively is because I wanted to strengthen my heart. I wanted to, you know, get on top of this, this eighth. You want to get on top of it with your bigger organs. <laughs> I wanted to get it, the AFib under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I was taking blood pressure medicine at the time, I thought that, you know, rowing is one of the best sports for you cardiovascularly yeah. and muscularly. Uh, I've heard it said that rowers have the biggest hearts, not just uh, uh, physically. Not no, not just um, emotionally, but physically. <laughs> they have bigger hearts. And I found a study. It's it's linked in our our blog to a, uh, a, a link to a paper in our blog that's linked to a study that conclusively proved that uh, rowing exercise can uh, cardiovascularly remodel, can, can result in cardio remodeling of your heart. That's I, I fascinating. That way. In other words, it makes your heart bigger. Mm-hmm. It's conclusively proven that your heart will get bigger as you vigorously row, as, as you vigorously train for rowing. That's That makes sense, though, because it's both um, cardio and weightlifting all at the same, like, at the same, same time. time yeah. yeah, it's like doing a deadlift at full power. Uh, every every stroke that you do, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I knock on wood. I, I do think that is helping with my AFib. I I have not had an episode, you know, since last year, mm-hmm. since before I started rowing. So I'm I'm hoping that that um, is working. But I will say that in the '90s, uh, I did have a little AFib episode after rowing a race. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's because I like, I, I can't remember if I like just stopped training for a while mm-hmm. and then, then jumped in that race yet. Yeah, Cause that could have been possible too. So I don't know, but, um, you know, I just, I just hope that this has helped. It seems to have helped. Um, what about our brains? Oh, it does a lot for our brains. So it's, um, promotes neurogenesis, which is new brain cells. So exercise in general promotes neurogenesis, which is new brain cells, which makes the volume of our prefrontal cortex. That's our thinking brain. It makes it bigger which means that we can think more. So when it comes to memory and learning, it actually promotes uh, promotes that and it helps to eliminate or reduce 
the uh, heart, uh, not heart disease, sorry, <laughs> Alzheimer's mm. and uh, yep. dementia. So it can help to reduce the symptoms and help to reduce the time frame when it happens. So if it was going to happen when you're 50 and you exercise a lot, it could potentially start happening when you're 60 or 70 and older. So yep. it really does make a significant uh, difference on how we think, how our brain works. It promotes more flow to the brain. And again, neurogenesis, more brain cells, we think better. Mm, more dopamine. More do Oh, that's true. Yeah. It, it changes our body chemistry where you get more dopamine and serotonin. And that promotes positive psychology, positive attitudes. Um, it's been shown to have uh, people who exercise have better moods overall. Uh, so there's so much, so much benefit to our, just our insides mm -hmm. as well as our out. I also read that. And we get hot. We get hot? Like hot, like we're sexy. Because we got like muscles <laughs> oh, yeah, and stuff going that's on. Okay. <laughs> so it promotes our well being, our mental yeah, well being, so which feels so, 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 good so. about ourselves. You know that too. <laughs> I did read that as we get older, our mm -hmm. brain actually shrinks. Yeah, that's true. And so this type of competitive activity, competitive sports activity, mm -hmm. whether it's rowing or so, something else to get your blood pumping mm -hmm. a lot, uh, can help fight against that tendency for our brain to shrink yep. every age. So that's that's very helpful. Not even too. to mention bone density and muscle right. mass, which helps to promote our bodies being able to function longer. So Yeah, so when you think of all that biological benefit that you derive. By, totally. And well, we'll talk about um, people, it's inspiring people um, who mm. are older than us and can still, like, uh, there's so many people that I saw on you know various competitions who were older than me and who could who could beat me who were mm -hmm. faster than me yeah and at one one regatta we saw a woman who was what i think it was ahead 85. of charles she was 85 years old oldest was, woman in the race joanne her name was joanne oh good yeah. memory your brain's getting bigger it is <laughs> 85 years old mm -hmm. and she's still going through this. She was through rocking. We were, we were on the bridge cheering her on. She was she was moving really fast. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about inspiration here in a minute. But, uh, okay, bigger organs. So, number four, biophilia. This is all her. I can't even <laughs> spell it. So, take it away, Dr. Gamble. P-I-O-P-H-I-I-A. So, just generally our connection to nature. And so, this isn't necessarily relevant for inherently indoor sports like fencing for example fencing would be wildly different um or weightlifting which is in inherently in a gym but you can create inside environments which promote uh that outside feeling so uh, backing up so biophilia is our innate connection to nature so how we connect to nature and we do have that longing for it and it's often why we seek different sensory things that because we don't know we know something's missing but we don't know what it is so we like maybe binge tv and we maybe um uh, look at instagram because we're looking for that sensory input that we're not getting from nature what nothing no <laughs> go ahead okay <laughs> or um the, my theory now is like with the whole i don't know with the, with the um those sounds that people get really quiet and ASMR. Talk to yeah asmr 
because uh, my study that I did showed that our senses are actually shut down in society because we have all of this data and lights and shiny things influences us. So we mm-hmm. shut ourselves down in order to be able to function. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting that sensory perception that we need. But when we're in nature for long periods of time, that all opens up. So we see colors differently. We hear sounds differently. Mm-hmm. So when you look at ASMR, it's a way to, to trigger our brains to get that senses to fill that gap with what we're missing. But Hmm. That's a sidebar. With competitive sports, especially outside sports, uh, it's pretty cool because you are in nature. You are getting that connection. And when we rode every day, it was awesome because we literally watched the suns come up every morning and watch those colors hmm. and just took a breath. We saw a shooting star on our last day. So we hmm. were able to connect to nature in a different way. And when we did have indoor practice, like it was definitely, I felt that gap. I hmm. felt that missing because we do want to be in nature. We do have that inherent connection. So think about you. What gives you happiness? Do you have a house plant that you like to look at? Do you like to garden? What makes you outside and have that connection? So sports can give us that connection in a way we don't even understand. Um, if you have indoor sports, like say we have a gym in our basement, uh, you could put in house plants in there just to make that bad environment. There's a, a couple of schools, I wanna say Liberty, Liberty School that created an entire gym based on eco-consciousness and biophilia. <laughs> so the gym itself, like there's different rooms. Jungle with, gym? It is, like literally. So there's different rooms with different fields, like in natural natural spaces. So it's hmm. pretty cool. And that's biophilic design. Hmm. Sorry, geeking out here. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So one of the things I really love about rowing is uh, being more in touch with the river. I, I love rivers. Mm-hmm. I always have. And uh, growing up in Texas, I loved the Frio River, uh, the San Marcos River. They were always so cold and mm. so clear, and you could see the bottom, and everything was so hot and parched. But the rivers, you know, provided relief to that heat and that dryness. Mm-hmm. And I just loved the cold water of a river. Full on sensory go, perception, right you there. Go tubing or whatever. So I love being on the Potomac as well. Yeah. And you get in touch with the weather and mm-hmm. how it impacts the tides and the wind and and you become more in touch with all of that because it matters because mm-hmm. if the wind is coming out of the north and it's blowing against the tide you're going to have a rough practice and you don't you know practice sucks already you don't want to be out there white caps or whatever so you get more in touch with what's going on in your surroundings the full moons and when they occur provide more light for you you're like oh that's great and the and the oh, birds like so there's the birds. yeah there's like um not egrets uh, cr- the cranes and the, um, shoot, I forgot the name of them. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, there's birds that have nests on top of our, our giant posts in the water. And so like you get to see their patterns of behavior and things you would never see otherwise. And they're flying with fish. And, oh yeah, fish and everywhere. And they yell at you mm-hmm. when you run by them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I like, I like the fact that we can be outside actually. I, I do enjoy that. And I feel yeah. like I got a fix when I get home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then I get to sit all day. But <laughs> and finally, number five, the inspiration that we derive from competing in sports is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention that when uh, some of the, the, the first times I became aware of that inspiration that I was deriving from competing in sports is the first time I went to Ironman, Ironman Louisville in Kentucky, and, and I went to the pasta, the carbo-loading dinner before the, ra- the day before the race. And they had a bunch of people come up on stage and, and tell their story about how they got to the starting line. And really, it was just about getting to the starting line. It's so hard to get yeah. to the starting line, especially 
on these big races. There's so much you have to do, and there's so a lot of people. There's so much they have to overcome, including cancer, including uh, you know amputation and being an amputee, including addiction, including mm-hmm. having to deal with having to lose a tremendous amount of weight just so you can get out there and and put in the hundred plus miles on the bike and the twenty six point two miles on the run. People lost so much. So there's so many people, so many stories of people that lost so much weight just so they could get to the starting line. Mm-hmm. And what an amazing journey just to get to that yeah. start of the journey. Yeah. And so that was so inspiring to me. And then, and then to go on marathon running, running at different races around uh, in the Northern Virginia area, Fredericksburg, whatever. You, you sometimes you'll see people <clears throat> running without shoes, mm-hmm. running barefoot. Like the first time I saw somebody run barefoot, I thought that was amazing. And I don't know. It just was very inspiring to me. Like, oh, you're running a full marathon without shoes on. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Never even crossed my mind. Yeah, or, me neither. Or rucksacks or mm-hmm. people juggling while they're running. Like, how do you go? I can barely move my legs. <laughs> I can't even chew gum and run a like, People juggling like four balls and stuff. And and then I saw a picture uh, of, uh, of a, a person this, this last week who... Sculled the was in a double skull with a partner, uh, had one arm and did the uh, head of the head of the skookle with one arm. Amazing, very inspiring. Like so, you see people like that and you're like, well, what's my excuse? Yeah. Why am I not able to to get out of bed and and at least go to practice when these people are getting to the starting line and are competing Mm -hmm. with all of this other with all these other issues that are just seem insurmountable and so those people are inspiring to me i'm so glad that they're doing what they're doing and that they they grabbed them and Mm -hmm. they they went out there and did it and that inspires me to to be just as bold and to care less about losing although i do really care about losing yeah (laughs) I, i hate not performing as well as i think i should perform or think i am capable of performing i i absolutely hate that and it makes me depressed but at the same time, these inspirational stories, uh, like that 85-year-old lady who's still competing in rowing at the head of the Charles, and people who are older than me who are able to, you know, by a decade or whatever, mm-hmm. two decades, who are able to beat my time yeah. still, that gives me so much hope that, hey, I'm at my current age, but I can still be doing this for another 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. 40 years. It's awesome. And, uh, and I'm not going to slow down if I, as long as I keep pushing myself. And what's our new mantra about? And so while while Cindy and I were talking about this and talking about dreaming 10x and shooting for the universe and and falling short of that and how that impacts it, how it potentially can impact your your mood and your mental state. Like for me, it's devastating a lot of times. I really let it hit me hard, and I want to quit. And I'm just not, because I'm not good enough. I, I can't do what these other people are doing. I just don't have the DNA. I just don't have the genetics. I just don't have the mentality. I just don't train, I don't train the same or whatever it is. When you're thinking like that, Cindy helped me out by, having, by saying this quote, shoot for the stars, but be happy where you are. And that's the best thing she's ever said to me other than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that quote. And at some point, we're going to have that put on t-shirts, and you'll be able to find those t-shirts at dream 10 
Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, in conclusion, I wanted to, I, I typed up an inclusion, so, uh, conclusion, it's on our blog, but I, I just wanted to read it because I can't, uh, I didn't remember all, I didn't memorize all this stuff, but just wanted to say that competing in sports makes a human smarter, stronger, and fitter. Sports competition awakens our primal instincts and teaches us to harness its power for helping to ensure our survival. Is that reasonable? Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Being uncomfortable and afraid is a big part of sports competition, as it is life. Uh, and mastering our mind and body to overcome the pain and fear in pursuit of success is part of that. Mm -hmm. The more we compete in sports, the more our brains and bodies evolve to successfully deal with adversity and the unknown. Benefits such as these are directly applicable to our longevity professional and personal lives here on earth similarly perhaps it's not too much of a reach to think that sports competition could be a key component of humanity's successful colonization of the universe as well love that is that does that is that okay is that an okay statement like uh, so and then and then my final statement is long live the human machine Hmm. So I, the reason I said that is because I found a quote. Uh, it, it's called it's a, it's a Latin phrase that goes per ardua ad astra, and it means through struggle to the stars. Hmm. And I think that's a slogan for the space force now or something like that. But before that, it was a slogan for an Irish clan for a really long time. And I got to thinking that, you know, the Scottish clans and the Irish clans, they used competition to find the elite warriors amongst them. Highland Games. Yeah, the Highland Games amongst them because that helped, you know, that was their, that helped with their survival. Yeah. And their growth as, uh, as a people. And, and so relating that, and, and it's interesting that even back then, through struggle to the stars... Mm -hmm. Were they thinking that, you know, we need to keep improving ourselves through competition so that one day we can colonize the stars? Mm. Were they ancient aliens? <laughs> no, Clearly but, they were ancient aliens. But I love that quote and I, and I love putting sports competition in the context of improving humanity mm -hmm. such that we are able to deal with the adversity and uh, the strange, weird stuff we're going to encounter in the universe. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big reach, I know, but... I, I love making that, that Dream 10X correlation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Anything else? Any closing statements that you like? All right. Well, thanks for listening to episode 53. We're thankful to be coming back after our episode 52. And we'll be back at you soon. 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 <laughs> thanks for watching. <laughs>